Master Xavier Rees and the challenge of controlling the beast behind the ivory cage. We put bits into horses' mouths and we turn their whole body. But have you ever thought about it? They put that little steel bit in his mouth and you can control that guy wherever you want. How much more the tongue is so little? And yet, if you don't give your tongue to God for Him to control it, it will control you. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. There's an ancient proverb that says, When you have spoken the word, it reigns over you. When it is unspoken, you reign over it. And when it comes to controlling the tongue, Scripture has much to say about how we speak. And as Pastor Xavier turns to chapter 3 of our series in the Epistle of James, we'll hear some important simple truths of turning the power of words into a powerful force for communicating the gospel. Let's listen. There is a story in the Jewish Talmud about a king who sent two jesters on an errand. In instructing them, he said to the one, Foolish Simon, go and bring me back the best thing in the world. And to the second he said, Silly John, go and find for me the worst thing in the world. Both went out, came back shortly. The first Simon bowed with a low grin. He said, Behold, sire, the best thing in the world. And he unwrapped the package and behold, a tongue. The second John snickered quickly, unwrapping his bundle. And he says, the worst thing in the world, another tongue. How true this is that the very same instrument can be an instrument for good or for evil, for edification or for destruction. A little member that stands between your teeth, one which is so vile, so powerful, so destructive, that many have been totally destroyed in terms of life. Many have been humiliated. Many have been totally devastated. And yet, that very same power can be used for good. We have plenty of examples throughout the scriptures. The Proverbs, the Psalms are full of the tongue. And yet at times we as Christians say, well, I don't commit adultery. I've never murdered anybody. I definitely don't drink. But yet, perhaps... We are the biggest big mouths of the entire church. It's important that we understand the destruction of the tongue as well as the power in it for good. James desires us to know not only the power of the tongue but the very words that come forth from the tongue. Our children learn 
early in life. When they want some, they say, oh, mommy, I just love you. Little girls come to their daddies and they put their arms around them and they just look at them and eyes flutter. And I mean, we quickly learn as we grow the power of words. But as we come to Jesus Christ, we are to turn the power of the tongue and words for the benefit and the glory of God. That is a struggle. At least it is in my life. I don't know about you. Maybe I have a nastier tongue than you do. But I doubt it. But in all reality, the tongue is only the evidence of another problem. The heart. Jesus said it's not what goes into a man's mouth that defiles him, but what comes forth, it comes forth from the heart. Adultery, fornication. All these fleshly things. Jeremiah 79 says that the heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? Only God. And so the tongue merely reflects and manifests that which is in us. James here begins with the presumptuous man in verse 1 of chapter 3. He says, My brethren, and once again he's speaking to Christians, let not many of you become teachers. The warning here is to those who are presuming upon the office of a teacher. What an awesome responsibility it is to teach the Word of God. What an awesome responsibility to stand in the place and say, God has called me. God has equipped me. I am a representative of God. And yet so often today, men enter into the ministry and the office of pastor-teacher without considering the responsibility. As if it is a mere mechanical thing to have a silver tongue. And so consequently, we've got a lot of orators in the church today. They've got their sermons as nice little neat points. They all match. They all harmonize. But they've never been called. And that they can't understand why God isn't doing things. They've got the diplomas. They've got the mechanics. But there's no life. Apparently in James' day, it was no different. There were those who were presuming on the office of a teacher. And so he gives a solemn warning. Let not many of you become teachers. Literally, stop becoming teachers. Paul the Apostle gives evidence to this even in the Corinthian epistle in Corinthians 14, 1 Corinthians 14, 26. He says that there were a lot of some that came with a psalm, with a hymn, with a doctrine, and everybody wanted to be seen. That's one of the problems with being a teacher. You're always up front. People are always looking at you. People are always saying, oh, you're so neat. Oh, you know, you spoke right to my heart. And it's so easy to get so puffed up and say, well, you know, I mean, after all, be careful. You know what I'm amazed at? That God even uses me when I don't even know it. 
Let me tell you, if God used a jackass, I qualify and so do you. I think sometimes he does a better job through jackasses. And since he spoke through Balaam's ass one day, he has spoken through many of our sins. You see, God will use anybody for his glory. Anybody. So we have to be careful that we don't get proudful, and we have to be careful that we don't presume upon something that we have never been called to. For if we search the Scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11, he says that that is a calling of God, that is an anointing of God. No man takes that upon himself. I am amazed that God called me into ministry and that he uses me. Because prior to being a Christian, I, I shudder to talk in front of people. I, my brother, Roland, and myself were going to Citrus College. Um, this was before we were born again. And um, we had a speech class. And uh, we had to do a three-minute speech. I about died. I said, three minutes? Man, what am I going to say? I was, I'm sure I turned every color up there. Now... The hardest thing I have is shutting my mouth <laughs> when I get behind a pulpit. And so I'm amazed that God uses me. It's an evidence that God called me, not that I chose it. These men were presuming. Such should never be the case, for too much is given, much is required, the Scriptures declare. Ezekiel was told by God in chapter 3 as well as in chapter 33 that he was the watchman for Israel. He said, I want you to warn them, Ezekiel. And if you warn them and they do not repent, then you'll be free from guilt. But if you do not warn them and they die in their sins, then I will hold your, you responsible for their blood. People say, hey, thank God we're in New Testament, not Old Testament. Hang on. Paul the Apostle in Acts chapter 20, when he spoke to the Ephesian elders in verse 26 to 27, he says, I am innocent of the blood of any man. I haven't given you the full counsel of God. That's New Testament. You see, a teacher has an awesome responsibility. He will have to give an account of everything he taught and everything he said. He will have to give an account for every person who ever sat under his ministry. That's why I am not envious of anybody who has a bigger church than God has given us here. I do not want to limit the Lord, and if he has a thousand, two thousand, let's go for it. But only if he has that for us. If he doesn't, then I am content, but I never want to be complacent. And there's a vast difference. Every idle word shall have to be given an account, Jesus said in Matthew 12, 36 and 37. A teacher must be careful because it is so easy to flip his lip from the pulpit. After a while, you become very comfortable with your people. They accept you. And it's easy to take the pulpit and to abuse it. Now, some people will say, yeah, if you ever talk against any false teachers or if you ever call out sin or stuff like that, then you're abusing. No, that's part of the gospel. <laughs> 
We call the shots just the way they are in the gospel. But it's so easy to take this pulpit and to make it a, a platform from which I am exalting myself or I am trying to accomplish what I want, manipulate people. I have no right to do that. My responsibility is that I am a glorified waiter. I am to get the food from God and deliver it to you. Now, you go to a restaurant, that's exactly what you expect. You order some food, you expect that guy to get it, bring it to you. How would you like it if the waiter, once he got it from the cook, says, ah, this guy's know what he's doing. He has a little bit of salt, a little pepper, a little hot sauce, and then he gives it to you. It's an awesome responsibility, and I would not want it at all if God had not called me to it. Paul says, woe to me if I preach not the gospel of Christ. I've got no choice. James says, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. He acknowledges the responsibility, accepts it, knowing that the stricter judgment will be upon the teacher. Then he must teach with the fear of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, Proverbs says. And so we have to seek the Lord in prayer. We have to search the Scriptures. We have to give to the church that which is in the Word, not that which I believe the Word says. Compare it to the whole of Scripture. Looking into the language, looking into historical background. Taking it in its context, not ripping it out. Stricter judgment. And so I realize that I will be held responsible and I will fall under stricter judgment. Recognizing that, I realize that I cannot be a teacher unless I live what I teach. And if I do not live what I teach, then what to me? Secondly, if I am a teacher called by God, then I realize that I am to live my life in a stricter form than many of you feel you have to. Not that God tolerates sin in your life and not in mine. But look at the requirements of Timothy and Titus. Now, those requirements for elders and deacons should be the standard for everybody. But I realize that I have liberties in certain areas to be free to do what I want to. But I also realize that sometimes because of the position God has given me, I cannot do them. And I don't want to do them. And I accept that responsibility. Because God has called me. I could drink a beer, never go to hell. But how would you respond if after we got done this morning talking and um, I went into the Northwoods Inn to have some lunch and I gave me a big old mug, nice brew, big suds on the top. And I'm ready to just chug a lug it. And you walk in and you see me. What would you think of me? Would you be back next Sunday? I'm free. You'd think twice, wouldn't you? Then why is the standard different for you? It shouldn't be. No different. And so even though James is speaking about that stricter judgment, 
understand that we are all called to holiness. No one's an exception. The beginning of verse 2 says, For we all stumble in many things. You see, James realizes that he's a man like anybody else and he has weaknesses. One of the most important things as a teacher is I realize that I am weak and I have weaknesses and that I'm not perfect. And therefore, being weak, we know that we can stumble others, even as he says that we all stumble in many things. And so even as a teacher, when I teach and I say things, there are some of you who get offended at what I say. Sometimes you get a little uptight. I have to make sure that what you get uptight about or don't agree with me is the gospel. But if you are being offended because of my opinions and I am teaching my opinions as doctrine, then I'm in trouble. But I realize that there are some times when I say things that are the gospel and they're scriptural, some of you do not agree. And you may be offended or even stumbled. My responsibility is to make sure that it is the gospel and not my own opinion. And even in my attempt to do and be all that God wants me to be as a teacher, I have the potential of stumbling you. I may carelessly and flippantly say something and you may say, well, you know, brother, really it wasn't. You know, and, and then when it comes to my knowledge, I have to say, hey, will you forgive me? It's happened. And I didn't realize, didn't think. And so there is that danger. How much for the person who isn't called to be a teacher or who declares himself to be a teacher and gathers disciples about him, thinking that simply teaching is just information and not call an anointing from God? God forbid that we should think that teaching is simply getting a diploma and doing it. It's not what James teaches. This is the presumptuous man in the position of teacher. The power of his tongue to influence, to direct, to build up those in the body of Christ. But secondly, he deals with the perfect man. The second portion of verse 2 he says, If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. The reference to perfect is mature, for there is none perfect. The Bible says in Romans 3 that there is none good. No, not one. Not one righteous. 1 John 1, 8 says, if we say that we have no sin, we lie, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. All of us fall short. But he's speaking about that Christian who is mature in age. And in the context, probably a teacher who is mature. He has discretion. He has wisdom. And he's able to bridle the whole body because he is able to bridle the tongue, first of all. You see, if I can masquerade and, and, and put a big front with every exterior one thing that will give me away is the little beast between my teeth. Sooner or later. It is said that the average man speaks 25,000 words a day and the average woman 33,000. <laughs> Enough to fill up a 50-page book. 
Now, I have found in the short time that I have lived that the more people talk, the more they give themselves away. Nervous talk. Peter had that problem. Oh, Lord, it's good that we're up here. You know, we'll build three tabernacles, one for you, one for you. Shut up, Peter. <laughs> Nervous talk. But see if you can give your tongue over to God. Then the rest will be genuine. But if you put up this front, your little tongue's going to give you away. People tell me, oh, yeah, I, I'm, I've been in the Lord 10 years, and yes, I do this, and I'm involved in this ministry, everything else, and I'm going, oh, great. And all of a sudden, you know, they just keep talking, and some things come out that I go, you know, doesn't make sense. Your tongue. But your tongue is attached to your throat. And then your heart is a source that comes forth. And so the real issue is the problem of the heart. What's going on inside is going to come manifest outside sooner or later. Now, he gives us some illustrations of the perfect man in the positive potential of words and the tongue. Verse 3, Indeed, we put bits into horses' mouth that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. James is great for illustrations. He uses very practical things. Perhaps if he lived today, he would say, look at that big 747, and you control it with this one little lever. Look at that car. Look at all the horsepower. And yet you control it with this little steering wheel. Very practical man. But have you thought about it? You know, we've all probably been up on horses or at least attempted. But they put that little steel bit in his mouth. And you can control that guy wherever you want. Now sometimes he doesn't want to. And if he intimidates you, then he will control you. <laughs> But you take all that power and you can turn him and he will obey to go wherever you will guide him. This is one of the potentials and power of words and the tongue in the hands of God. My words can direct your life for good as a teacher. My words have the potential to direct your life towards God and the things of God. Not to direct your life to, to help me, to benefit me, but the kingdom of God and to glorify Jesus Christ. And here we have this beast, this animal, with one little steel bit. How much more the tongue is so little? And yet, if you don't give your tongue to God for Him to control it, then it will control you. Pastor Xavier Reese has been illustrating some important simple truths of the power of the tongue today as we've been taking in the words of the third chapter of the epistle of James with much more still to come next time. 
But if you've missed any part of today's message, you can hear it from beginning to end again, anytime online. Just look for today's date when you click on the radio listings link when you log on to CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. Or if you prefer, you can always pick up your own personal copy on CD for just $4. And the title you want to ask for is simply, The Power of the Tongue. And this might be a helpful study to pass on to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is The Power of the Tongue, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com